Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is great to be here with you today. My name is Forrest, and one of my passions in life is food. You know, I grew up in a family that every one of our gatherings was centered around a meal. And I spent 20 years managing restaurants and bars. And I love to cook. I love to eat. And I love sharing my passion of food with others, you know, because I want you all to eat well. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was scouring the internet for some great barbecue recipes, and I believe smoked brisket is truly a gift from God. But I came across this article, which was talking about a University of Michigan health study on food. And I was talking about how specific foods affect your life expectancy. And since I want you all to be healthy and eat well, I thought I'd share this with you. See, the study talked about the effects of 6,000 different foods. And what it found was that there's some foods that add time to your life and some foods that take time away. And what food do you think performed the best? What was the peanut butter and jelly sandwich? They can add up to 33 minutes to your life with each serving. I think it's just crazy. Uh, But what food do you think performed the worst? Well, the good old American hot dog. See, each hot dog you eat can possibly shorten your life by 36 minutes. And the worst food on this list for me is chicken wings, especially during football season. You know, and the study said that each wing could take three and a half minutes from your life. Uh, but my problem is I don't just eat one wing. I eat like 40, 50 minutes of wings. And you could do the math on that one, figure out how many wings that is, but it's a lot. But what's interesting about this study is that it talks about how there are some food that add value or time to your life and some food that take value away from our life. Now, sometimes my coworkers here, they, they pick on me because I'm kind of a foodie. But you see here that food does have the ability to add or detract from our lives. And the same principle also applies to our faith. You know, the things that we do spiritually that add to our life and help us go further in our faith. And then there are other things that we do in our life that take us backwards in our faith. And here's what I want you to know, that no matter where you are in your faith journey, you know, whether you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, but maybe you're interested in learning more or you've been following Jesus for years, we are for you. You know, we want you to grow in your faith. We don't want you to be stuck or stagnant in your faith. We want you to experience the life that Jesus offers us. And that's why we're doing this series called Reboot. And most of us, we know what a reboot is, right? A reboot is when you get that little spinning thing on your computer and nothing works. So you've got to restart it. And then magically, that little spinny guy, he goes away and everything begins to work again. And the reality for us all is that this last season of life, man, it was hard. And it's going to continue to be. And maybe it feels like you're seeing that little spinny guy every day and in the process, you've let some good things go. So we need a reboot. And over this course of the series, man, we are talking about four spiritual practices that over time will help us reboot our faith. You know, that'll help us clear up the junk that is stalling or has stalled our growth. And right now there's just a lot of junk coming at us. And maybe that's caused you to your faith to flounder. And we want to get back to a point where your faith is flourishing. And by flourishing, here's what I mean, that no matter what's happening around you, your faith is thriving, you know, it's prospering, it's in its prime, and we need to get there. In week one, we talked about the practice of gathering purposefully or or regularly attending a service. So why do we gather in a setting like this? 
Well, you'll never grow in your faith like God intended in isolation. See, when we gather together to worship Jesus, God does something unique in this setting. And then in week two, we talked about the second practice, which is to serve selflessly. You know, we learn that when we use our gifts and our passions in the body of Christ, the hope of Jesus spreads. And then we become a part of God's mission, which is to change lives. And if you've missed either of these messages, you can jump on YouTube and hit subscribe there on our YouTube page and check out those messages. But I'm excited, to really excited to talk to you about what we're going to learn today. Because when I started on my faith journey, this practice, it grew my faith the most. And today we're going to look at the third spiritual practice, which is this, connecting deeply. And the way we say that around here is that life is best when we are in relationships with faith-building friends. And faith-building friends are the friends that help us grow in our faith, you know, through guidance, encouragement, and accountability. You know, they help us grow through helping us walk with Jesus because we all need help to grow. And this just isn't just an idea that we came up with. You know, the early church, they knew this. And a great place to learn about the early church is in the book of Acts. So let's begin by looking at the book of Acts. In Acts 2, John writes, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. See, they devoted themselves to fellowship. And if you didn't grow up in the church, you've probably never used this word. Well, maybe when it comes to the Lord of the Rings. But in the church that I grew up in as a kid, we had this place in the building called the Fellowship Hall. You know, it was in the basement, and that's where all the church potlucks and gatherings were held. You know, it was a place that our youth group would always have their spaghetti dinner or the place that the men's group would always have their pancake breakfast. But, but this word, fellowship, it, it means so much more than pasta and potlucks. This word fellowship actually came from the Greek word koinonia. It means the shared life. And I just love that idea, the shared life. And this word is actually the same root word for marriage. You know, it just shows you the power of relationship. And as we continue in the book of Acts, we get to see a little bit of a glimpse of what the shared life looks like. Acts continues, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. See, this is what the shared life as a follower of Jesus looks like. And one of the cool things about God is that he uses relationships to grow our faith. And this shouldn't be a surprise to us because this is how Christianity began, right? This is the life that Jesus modeled. But if you think about it, if anybody could do life on their own, it was Jesus because he is God in the flesh. And yet Jesus, he had the small group of dudes around him, 12 specific men that he chose to share life with and be on mission with. And today, here's what I want us to do. You, I want to challenge us to take a look at how we are really doing in the area of our life of having faith-building friends. And then we're going to do that by, by doing two things today. First, I want to show you what is known as the Johari window. And this will help us understand some of the barriers that we might have to relationships, in particular to faith-building friends. And then we're going to take a look at some scripture, you know, that will really help us understand the idea of a shared life. And the goal for today is this, is for us to discover how important it is to have faith-building friends in our lives and to discover the value that they add to our lives, especially if you want to grow in our faith. So let's begin by taking a look at the Johari window. And what the Johari window is, it's this technique that helps us understand our relationships with ourselves and others. And it was created by a couple of psychologists back, back in the 50s. And it's this window that's made up of four specific quadrants. And these quadrants represent four areas in our lives. And the first quadrant is called the arena. And the arena is defined as what I know about you and what you know about you. 
Think about this. If we're hanging out, you know, chilling at a bar or somewhere and we just met, you know, there's some things that I'm going to get to know about you. You know, I, I'm going to know what you're going to look like. I know a little bit about your personality. You know, this is the public you. This is the part of you that everybody sees. But unfortunately, in most of our relationships, especially for us guys, you know, our relationships never get beyond the public you. You know, we try our hardest to control what others think about us. And this is especially true when it comes to our faith life. You know, we want people to think that we are a good person. And this is not new. See, this was happening in Jesus' day as well. You know, Jesus confronted people who had arena-only faith. You know, this was the Pharisees, you know, the Jewish religious experts and teachers at the time. And Jesus, like he would confront them all the time and say, you know, you do everything for people to see. Right? You like to dress up in your fancy religious clothes. You, you like to be greeted with those big, important titles. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're a mess. See, there is a place for arena faith. Right? If you're at the grocery store and the cashier asks you how you're doing, you, know, you don't need to say, you know, my marriage really stinks right now. Or I'm sick of being single because I'm so lonely. See, there is a place for this arena part of our life. But, but if all our relationships just stay here, we will never grow into who God desires us to be, which is so much more than just an arena person. So that's the first quadrant, arena. Here's the second quadrant uh, that you and I have. It is called the mask. And I'm not talking about mask or no mask. See, this is defined as the part of my life that I know that you don't know. See, it's your secrets. And by the way, we all have secrets, right? There's things about me that, that you don't know. But if I don't ever tell anybody these things, that's when I get into trouble. Because secrets eventually seep out. And the problem is not having some secrets. The problem is if no one else ever knows your secrets. You know, somebody needs to know what's going on in your life. You know, there needs to be someone who can hold you accountable. Because there needs to be somebody who can help you through it. And the mask, it shines when we're trying to manage our image. You know, when we want people to think that we're better than we really are. Or when we think that we're the only one who struggles with the sin or addiction. You know, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says this, Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. See, the shared life means having someone in your life who you can take the mask off with. And not only do you have this arena, right? The stuff that everybody knows about you. You have a mask, the stuff that only you know. But you also have a blind spot. And the blind spot is the third quadrant. And it is what others see but you don't see. You know, this is the spinach in your teeth. You know, we all see it and we don't know if we should say something. You know, this is when, when you see someone with their fly open. And please tell me before I get on stage if I've got my fly open. But all of us have an area of our life that everybody else sees and we don't see it. But the question is this, do you have anyone in your life who can speak truth to you? See, people love to give their opinion. You know, just go to social media. Uh, there's people on social media who, who don't even go to this church or, or aren't really involved, but they want to tell us everything that we're doing wrong. You know, we try not to pay attention to those people. However, there are people in my life who love me and are for me. And, and I want to hear the hard truth from them because I can trust them. You know, I want to know the blind spots that they see that I don't see. In Proverbs, uh, King Solomon, he said this, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Meaning this, you know, true friends, we wound each other, but not with the intention of hurting the other person. It's with the intention of helping them. You know, we rebuke, correct, and warn each other. But the enemy, man, he makes you think that you are perfect, that there is nothing wrong with what you are doing. And this is a huge blind spot. 
All right, well, let's look at the last quadrant, and this is potential. See, this is the I don't know, and you don't know either. See, you have not experienced the best version of you yet. The best version of you doesn't happen in isolation. You know, it doesn't happen when you have your mask on or, or when you refuse to acknowledge your blind spots. The best version of you happens in community. And, and let's look at how the writer of Hebrew talks about our potential. You know, how God uses community to bring out the best in us and, and how God uses relationships to grow our faith. In Hebrews 10, he says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. <laughs> unswervingly. You know, this means uh, not turning aside, side, right? You know, and the, the author, he uses this word to capture how we should live out our faith. You know, what do you think of when you hear that word? You know, this is not a word that, that we commonly use. You know, some of us, I think we drive swervingly, right? Is that even a word? I, I, I don't know. But I know I drive that way. And when I see somebody driving swervingly, I used to think that they'd been drinking, but not anymore. Now, now I just assume that they're on their phone. So do you ever pull up next to someone and they're looking at their phone and maybe just want to kind of scare them a little bit, you know, wake them up, give them a little beep, beep? No? Okay. Well, maybe that's just me. But, but, but let, let us hold unswervingly and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. See, spur. This is usually not a positive word. It is typically used in a negative context, like a bone spur or, or a cowboy who's got spurs on the back of their boots to get the horse to move in the direction that he wants. But another way to translate this would be to irritate, to annoy, to provoke. You know, consider how we can irritate one another. Uh, some of you are so good at this. At, at times, I can be really good at this. But let's be honest. See, we need that from time to time. You know, we need someone who will be honest with us. Someone who will kind of shake some sense into us. It's like when you start to veer off the road, you're driving swervingly and you hit those rumble strips and it alerts you that you're going off the road. So you need people in your life who are those rumble strips. You know, I've got this group of guys in my life and we get together about once a month and we talk about some of the good stuff going on in our lives. But, but what's more important than that is we talk about our challenges and our struggles. You know, there are times where we need to call each other out spur one another on. There are times where I'm struggling with something that, that happened. And, and I might think that I'm right in the way that I'm thinking. But these guys, they're going to tell me something different. You know, they have the right to say, you know what, Forrest? You are wrong. You know, you know that's not the way that you should be thinking. You know, they'll speak truth and love to me. And it's hard to hear, but they're right. See, we all need these kinds of people in our life. And the writer of Hebrews, he continues. He says, let us spur one another on by not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, you might see this meeting together and think of a church service, you know, what we're doing right now. And a lot of you might think that this is the only way we meet together. But meeting together in this setting, it's only part of what this verse means. See, this verse is talking about something deeper than what's happening in here. It's talking about what it looks like to be the church to each other. You know, this is the shared life that we were talking about earlier. It is the power of encouraging one another, showing up for one another. And during COVID, our church didn't give up on meeting together because we had hundreds of people meeting together in small groups, even when the doors of our buildings were closed. You know, they're still meeting in homes, in backyards, in garages, online with Zoom. But what happens is people drift from their community of faith before they drift away from faith. You know, when people drift from their group of faith-building friends first, it's only a matter of time before they drift from their faith. 
And this is why relationships are so critical to building our faith. And here's the bottom line. Being connected to a community of faith grows our faith. Yeah, you know, most of us, we, we've got friends in our lives. You know, people that we hang out with, people that we work with, people that we go to school with. But do these relationships really make us a better person? You know, do these relationships help and inspire you to grow in your faith? Do they spur you on? You know, the people around us influence who we are and who we are becoming. And I want to give you an opportunity to grow in your faith to get plugged into a Ridge group here because we believe this is the best environment we have to grow spiritually. And I want every person at the Ridge to be in a Ridge group. You know, we've got hundreds of people in a group and I bet you that they will tell you that taking this step was a game changer because it was for me. And I know that this is something that a lot of you aren't going to resist. You know, I get it. I was there once. It was hard for me to take this step. You know, I had all the excuses in the book. You know, I was working too much. We had young kids. You know, I wanted to hang out with my buddies instead. But my wife, she really wanted us to join the group. Well, so I did. And I am so glad I did because this step grew my faith in a huge way. It was in this group that I met this one guy who I began to spend some time hanging out with. And it was in this time together that I began to see that he lived his life differently. You know, he didn't pretend to have everything together. He didn't wear a mask. He was real with me. But he was also honest with me in calling out the way that I was living. And at the same time, he was encouraging me by, by letting me know that God had so much more planned for me than I realized. See, he helped me to begin to understand what it means to walk with Jesus. He changed my life because he helped me become a follower of Jesus. And that helped me become a better husband and a better father. And this is what a Ridge Group is. You know, it's a small group of people who do life together. It's a small pe- group of people who, who pray for and with each other because we all need prayer. It's a small group of people who grow relationally with each other, serve others together, and grow in their faith together. And, and I know this is as true for women as it is for men, but the number one excuse that I hear about why us guys don't join a Ridge group is that we don't have time, you know, that we've got so much other stuff on our plate. So, so why should I do this? Well, guys, let me just talk to you for a second. See, the truth is that you find time to prioritize what matters in your life. Guys, man, on average, we spend three hours a day watching TV or streaming. You know, that's over 1,000 hours a year. On average, we spend over two hours a day on social media. And I get it, man. Those YouTube videos are hilarious. On average, we spend over eight plus hours a week playing video games. You can't tell me we don't have time. Now, do those things help you become a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better follower of Jesus? No. And you need to prioritize the things in your life that do, like having faith, building friends. And that's what I want for you, all of you. You know, I want people in your life that you can take your mask off with. I want people in your life who you can, or who can see the things that you don't, who see your blind spots, but also see your potential. I want people in your life who can help you be the person that God ultimately designed you to be. See, God designed you to be so much more than even you can imagine. But you can't be that person in isolation. You need faith-building friends around you. So take this step. Join a group. Be who God wants you to be. And if you're already in a Ridge group, take this step to prioritize attending group this fall season. Now, here's what I need you to do. See, to join a group, I I need you to go to the ridgecc.com backslash reboot and then click the link on the top of that page. And you'll be guided to fill out this form and find out what group fits you best. And then I want you to select it. And they're going to send you all the details of the first group meetings. And, And if you're already in a group, I want you to reach out to your group leader, find out when your first group meeting is going to be, and then I want you to attend it. 
Remember, you will not grow to your full godly potential in isolation. So take this step and make sure you have some faith-building friends in your life. Let me pray for us. God, first of all, I, I just want to personally thank you for the people that are around me in my life. And God, I want that for everybody in our church. I want the people of our church to have faith-building friends around them, the people that build them up, but also hold them accountable. God, this is such a great life that we have the opportunity to live. Uh, the impact that we can have on not just the people around us, but the community that we live in and the world in general is, is just huge. So God, just help us grow. Grow into people that understand what your calling is for our lives. And God, just help put the people in our lives that help us get there. So God, for all the people, all of us who are just struggling with you know, trying to make time for everything else that we've got in our lives, help us prioritize this, of putting people in our lives that will build us up and help us become a better follower of your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.